I had to get her signature. And Christians sometimes seek to get signatures of uh, prominent people such as Pat Robertson or Oral Roberts or something, and what they'll do is they'll take the one of these blank pages in the back of their Bible and they'll have them have them autograph their Bibles. Well, there was one preacher who made it a habit that whenever he would autograph someone's Bible for them, he would uh, put down the, pa- uh, the passage number Joshua 1.8. And underneath uh, his signature, he would put the, write this verse and then he would say, this verse of Scripture provides the key to success for your life. If you were to take a trip to California, one of the things you'd need would be a road map. I I don't think too many people would attempt to take off from here to California without a road map if they were driving. Maybe there's a few that uh, feel that they know the roads well enough that they could do that. But uh, in order to have a successful trip, you need that road map, and then you need to pay attention to what the road map says. doesn't do much good if you uh, got the road map and you don't know how to read it. Or if you, in reading it, take a wrong turn. Uh, There's one of my brothers, uh, I I heard him... uh, my sister-in-law say that he turns the map in order to know which end's north. Well, I don't think you need to do that. I think it's pretty well marked out which is north, south, east, and west on maps. The problem is you need to know how to read the map. You need to read and heed and take directions. And I believe that the Bible is our road map that will get us from here to eternity. I believe this maps out the way. It tells you how to live. It shows you how to live. And uh, it's a matter of knowing how to read and heed. Let's look at Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do, very important, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I think most of us want to be successful in our our journey through life. 
You know, somehow I had the idea that success was making big bucks and and having big houses and big cars and that used to be my idea of success. Then when I got into the ministry, my idea of success was having a big church and a big congregation and and being successful in, in reaching souls for Jesus Christ. But you know, I've gotten a whole new outlook. My idea of success is knowing what Jesus wants for my life and doing it. That's success. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. As long as you're doing what Jesus has called you to do, then you're successful. To be successful, we need uh, to learn to read the Bible. And... uh, The other night we had a youth meeting and uh, we had we had a whole uh, group of young people that came without their Bible. Uh, I just believe that this Bible ought to become a part of your life. And uh, to start with, you need to read it regularly. This here reading it spasmatically, uh, putting it on the shelf, carrying it around in your car, uh, just not using it is not going to get the job done. What you need to do is you need to let God speak to you through the pages of this Holy Bible. And I know that you older saints know what I'm talking about. But some of these young people that are just getting acquainted with the ways of the Lord, I, I'm just trying to encourage them to take this Bible and make it so much a part of your life that if you're not reading it, it would be like missing a meal. Provide a, a time for your from your busy schedule to have a regular Bible study. Set a time aside, and I like to, early in the morning, I like to, I like to sit and uh, read my Bible, pray and read, and pray and read. Uh, make it a habit. I, I remember... When I first got saved, I, I used to carry around a, it was a full Bible, but it was, it was a little small one, and I carried it around in my pocket. And uh, whenever I'd get a chance, I was in the military, and uh, I was the chief petty officer at the time, and I, whenever I'd get a chance, I, I'd pull that thing out of my pocket, and I'd sit there, and I'd read it. Other men would be going out to... Uh, uh, one of the local bars during the noon hour or something, I'd go to my car and, and I'd pull out my little Bible and I'd have a time with the Lord. 
And I was, we lived in Niagara Falls, and I was stationed in Buffalo. And one night, I, uh, I think it was every fourth or fifth night or something like that, I'd have to stay on the station all night long because I would be officer in charge uh, of the uh, district search and rescue for that particular night. And I got there, and I realized it was my night to stay, and I had forgot my Bible. And you don't know how real the panic was. I was panic-stricken. I'm without my Bible. I, I'm, I'm not going to have my Bible for 24 hours. I, I, can't, I can't deal with this. And so I called my wife in Niagara Falls, and she graciously consented to bring my Bible down to Buffalo. I just, to be without that Bible was, I felt like I was naked or something. And that's the kind of feeling you have to have for your Bible. And how many of you know here that your Bible is different from anyone else's? Can't find a thing in anybody else's Bible. You want to become so familiar with this Bible that this is my Bible. And just by closing your eyes, you can almost picture on the page exactly where that verse is. It's like an extension of your hand. And, and, oh, I hated it. My first Bible was a Thompson chain. And I, I had all of these nice notes in there. And, and I had it marked up uh, in special ways so that I could pick out my verses and so forth. And uh, uh, I, I had it so that when I wanted to witness to a person, I, I, I had it so that I could just kind of breeze through uh, some scriptures uh, with them. And, uh, then the binding broke on it. And the thing started falling apart. And I had to go and... Well, Thompson Chain was very nice. They said, it's guaranteed uh, we'll give you a new Bible. But that new Bible was not the same. It wasn't my Bible. How many of you here understand what I'm talking about? And then you not only need to read your Bible regularly, but you need to read it subjectively. When you're reading about David and Goliath, and, uh, or you're reading about Daniel and the lion's den, just kind of picture yourself as being in Daniel's shoes or in David's shoes. Kind of put yourself into the situation and allow God to speak to you through the situation. <clears throat> Let it become a, a personal message to you. And then thirdly, you need to read your Bible intelligently. 
beware of skip, hop, and jump. Uh, just opening the Bible, I, I've had people do this to me. Well, I just, I was praying and I said, oh, God, lead me into a word. And I opened my Bible and I went, and said, go hang yourself. Uh, no, you can't do that. You've got to have a systematic way of reading your Bible. And I, I don't know about the rest of you, but as I have a plan of reading my Bible daily, God speaks to me through the words that I'm reading. Isn't it amazing how that happens? And it always comes at the right time. And the word, it might come from, uh, from Leviticus. Dr. William Hershey uh, Davis suggested four great factors to be considered in Bible study. And I want to I give you those four great factors, and maybe it'll help some of you younger Christians to get established in a right direction. Number one, you need to ask yourself, what is the historical situation What was the situation at the time? Try to find out from, from other sources what was happening. You remember when we studied the book of Daniel here on Wednesday nights, I brought in some of the history and stuff, things that, that I had found from other sources to make that particular thing so that we could understand it. Well, you need to do that too, and there's a lot, of, a lot of good biblical helps out there. But the least that you should have for a, a new Christian would be one of these Haley's Handbooks. How many, how many here has ever read Haley's Handbook? I think that is a good little book to keep next to your Bible to get the historical, uh, whatever's going on around it. You can, uh, you can get some of these, these books like, uh, uh, Customs of the Bible. And find out what kind of, what was the custom of the day? You know, if we don't understand what these people were thinking, then we can't really understand what God is trying to get across to us. we got another preacher in here. <laughs> Hallelujah. You need to find out what the, what the people were like. <clears throat> Uh, 
especially when you're reading 1 Corinthians. How many of you had problems understanding what was going on in 1 Corinthians if you didn't know what the customs were? It's a, it's a, a strange book. Uh, when, when Paul says, I, I, I don't allow women to speak in church, <clears throat> you know, you better find out what the custom was, right? Didn't he mean that all women ought to be quiet? What did he actually mean? And so you need to know what the historic situation is. Uh, what was the passage when it was written? What was it, what was it really speaking to? And then secondly, you have a grammatical factor. We need to know the meaning of the words. We need to know the Bible contains different kinds of literature. To start with, the first five books of the Bible is called the Pentateuch, the law from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And then you have history from Joshua to Esther. And you have poetry from Job through Song of Solomon. And then you have the major prophets, which uh, they weren't major because they were so great, it was because they wrote more than the others. Isaiah through Daniel. And then you had the minor uh, prophets, uh, or the twelve, uh, Hosea through uh, Malachi. And then in the, the New Testament, you have history, Matthew through, uh, through the book of Acts. Then you have the Pauline letters, uh, Romans through Hebrews. And then you have the general letters, James and First and Second Peter and First, Second and Third John and Jude, and uh, these letters or instructions were exhortations or rebukes to people, and the Gospels pictured the life of Jesus Christ. Acts told about the new life and the new church, but when you get to the Paul, uh, the epistles, it, it's it was rebukes to different churches. It was instructions to different churches. And so we can take them as instructions to us as the church. It's things for us to really look into and do. And then you have the book of Revelation, which uh, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's a hard book to understand. It, you, I've seen people spend years in studying the book of Revelation and still come away shaking their heads. But I want to tell you something. I believe that the book of Revelation is, is, is God's word to man. And I believe that it's all going to be fulfilled. And then there's the logical factor. Uh, what was the human-inspired author trying to communicate when he wrote these words. What was, the, what was meant when, the, when it was written down? We've got to find the underlying principle that he was talking to. We don't have too much problems with uh, eating meat anymore, you know. Uh, meat sacrificed to idols. 
But there's still a lesson there for us to learn. And the lesson is, if it offends my brethren, then I won't, I'll never eat meat again. In other words, I, my life is in some degree controlled by my brother's reactions to my life. And we've got to see that as a truth in the Bible. And so, once you get the underlying principle, the underlying principle never changes. And then fourthly, the spiritual factor. The Spirit inspired the writing, and if He inspired the writing, then He can lead you into all truth. Amen? Nobody can explain this book better than the one who wrote it. I believe that this is the best commentary on itself. And many times, one part of the Bible will explain another section of the Bible. So you need to know all of the Word of God. And He can become so real to you when you're reading it. All of a sudden, it's like the words lift right off the page and it might just as well say Bob this is what I'm saying to you today and and the words are no longer historical words they're words God saying thus saith the Lord to Bob Rook and you need the Holy Spirit to be able to do that in your life Well, this may be the most important part of Bible reading. Would you believe it's the most neglected? Make sure you get into a spiritual mood. Spend time in prayer along with your reading. Just reading for reading's sake doesn't get it. Have you ever had to read the same paragraph over 50 times because you, your mind is somewhere else? You might just well put it aside. You need to be in the Spirit when you're reading God's Word and be open to what the Spirit's saying to you. Read systematically. The old contains a message quite different from the, from the new. And the new uh, Christian should uh, not start with Leviticus and uh, Ecclesiastes and, and some of these others. They need to start with something a little more uh, milk of the word, something to nourish them. Uh, get yourself a good Bible dictionary. That'll help you. Get you a one-volume commentary uh, such as uh, uh, James uh, Fawcett and, and Brown, I guess it is. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. It's a very good one-volume commentary. Uh, 
maybe George got different ideas on that one. I don't know. That's a good commentary, though. A very good one-volume commentary. Uh, Then, read prayerfully, as I said. We should uh, expect to learn not only ancient past, but something to help us for today. This word is as current as the newspaper. And there ought to be something in there that would touch your heart today. Amen? Uh, We should expect to find something about our God that, that would just thrill our hearts. We should expect to find something that would nourish our souls and feed us and uplift us and strengthen us and and get us going through the day. You might take one verse and concentrate on meditate. It says meditate on the word day and night. And uh, take take one scripture out of your reading and just kind of uh, mull that over in your mind all day. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Easy little thing, but meditate on it. What all does that mean? Does he really mean all things? What kind of things might God ask me to do? You need to meditate on this and and, and draw strength from this. And you know, uh, we've had Daryl putting these little cards in his pocket and uh, so that when he's got a minute he takes them out and reads them well I hope that becomes a habit with him because you don't need these little cards already provided for you all you got to do is take a piece of paper when you're reading your morning readings and you see a scripture that that, uh, God brings to your mind write it out and slip it in your pocket and make it a make it a habit of of taking a scripture a day and and, and mulling it over in your mind. And then, last of all, read with a desire to obey. Look for promises and cl- and claim the promises. Look for commands and obey the commands. Look for examples that you can follow. Look for failures that you won't fall into the same pitfalls. Ah, excuse me. It's the Bible that tells us about the Savior. It's the Bible that invites us to trust Him and to receive Him. It's the Bible that shows us God's will for us. If you want to be successful, the Bible. Keep it before you. Meditate on it day and night. It'll make your ways prosperous. Amen? Hallelujah.